The opinions expressed on this podcast are not meant to be disseminated as medical advice. If you need additional clarification or have questions, consult a mental health professional in your area. Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, the podcast where a comedy writer and a psychologist try to solve your long-running relationship issues in 10 minutes or less. What are you laughing about, Steve? (laughs) James, I have not heard you this discombobulated in quite a while. It's entertaining for me, I'll tell you what. I just, I I I had a new solution. I was thinking ahead. I thought, you know what, today for the intro, I'm not even going to give you a chance to jump in. I'm just going to say both of our parts and move on. But in the process, I said the wrong title of the podcast on the first take, and then I just, it was downhill from there. But you know what? We're going to pick it back up now, because this week... The anonymous letter writer is me. I have a question Ooh. for you, Steve, and I pondered wow. since I came up with the question. I thought maybe I should give you some time to repair, but I thought, no, that wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair to the quality of all our other questions to have this one be answered better. So we're just going to have you do this on the fly. Oh, and, uh, well, we, we, like all of them, yes. Yeah, yeah so, so my question is, we've uh, through this podcast, we've talked a lot about how to save relationships. But you, you have done a lot of counseling, and you've seen the best and the worst of people as their marriages fall apart. So I wanted to hear the opposite. What is the fastest way to ruin a marriage? I'm sure you've seen it all over the years. So what are, if you were to give a step-by-step guide to wreck a marriage as fast as possible, what things would you try to do? Take it away. Well, there's the obvious answer, which is uh, get caught with your junk in somebody that you're not supposed to be with. <laughs> nice and to the point. <laughs> Well, and that never comes out like it's it's sort of a cliche on TV or in the movies where you catch your spouse in the act, like you walk in because you come home early from work that day or something. But that's really never how it happens. Affairs are a fascinating study in human um, deception. It's interesting because you're I'm just sort of going to take this and run wherever my mind goes. Your (laughs) spouse is both the hardest person to lie to because they know your tells really well. But simultaneously, they're the easiest person to lie to because you kind of know how to frame things so they'll trust you or not trust you. And uh, it's fascinating the lengths that people will go and how many calories they burn to hide an affair. Affairs are tremendously stressful to the person who's having an affair, which begs the question, why are you going through it? Why are you going through all of this? But as soon as the affair is discovered, and in the last 10 to 12 years, it has almost 100% of the time, in my experience, been related to the phone. That uh, once in a while, a spouse will find something on a computer, but the telephone is always, it's the new smoking gun. It's you getting caught in the act (laughs) because you get lazy after a while. You stop erasing text messages or you stop erasing emails or you stop disguising phone calls. And at some point, your spouse gets it. And that, I think, is the quickest way to ruin a marriage. Some couples decide to stay together over time, but affairs is worse than like addiction or alcoholism because a lot of times the spouse will kind of give you one mulligan on those. Like it's a disease or you can't help it. I'm going to give you a chance to correct this behavior on your own. Um, Abuse is obviously, abuse is interesting too, and this is probably going to get all the advocates up in arms and angry with me, but abuse doesn't kill a relationship as fast as an affair will because the abusive relationship sort of evolves over time and the abuse victim 
and we've talked about this on the show, but they'll blame themselves. They'll come up with excuses for their partner. Like they have some wiring in their background that puts them in a scenario like this. And they're far less likely to pull the ripcord and get out as someone who comes from at least a reasonably settled place emotionally and gets cheated on. That's a, that's a no-fly zone for almost all couples. Well, that's, uh, that, that's pretty clear-cut. What would you say, and I know you don't have percentages in front of me. I didn't ask you to crunch any numbers before this, but how much of the time when you have somebody who's been caught in an affair and they come in for marriage counseling, what would you say the rate is between stay together and divorce? Well, uh, by the time someone gets to my office, I have a little bit biased of a point of view because they wouldn't be sitting in front of me if they hadn't, the um, offended party, the, the cheated on party, hasn't made a decision, I would like for this to work. So I need someone to help me clear this hurdle of resentment and embarrassment and the shame, just self-doubt. What do they see in the other person that they don't see in me? Like there's a lot of that going on. But Usually if they decide to break up, uh, it can either end in a mushroom cloud long before they would get to my office, or it's going to end pretty quick because one of the offended party usually, or even the cheater, is usually just there to check a box to say, well, see, we tried couples counseling and it's not going to work, so I'm out of here. So my... Um, in my experience, just with the couples that sit down in front of me and have some motivation to change, most of them stay together. I would put it north of 70%. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that, that's yeah, interesting you get from your, your bias sample size. And by the way, these are the conversations we have a lot of the time after we, uh, after we stop <laughs> yeah, recording. No, I was, this is good stuff. <laughs> I like it. I was just it's like, okay, so what's going on behind the scenes here? What actually happened? So I have all the real secret relationship info, and we just give you guys the other, <laughs> the other stuff, the stuff fit for public consumption. All right, well, we don't worry about pushback from everybody. Yeah, no. exactly. When they're saying, oh, well, we're not going to get a thousand angry messages from it. But we're not that important. It's more like 20 angry messages. It's still far too many angry messages. All right, well, let's say there's uh, there's no cheating and there's no abuse with those like kind of big red flag issues. You just got a normal couple sure. together. What what ends that relationship? What what sure. takes them from you know you know I love you forever to this is not going to work out? Yeah, that's never a one and done. That's a slow burn. So what happens is um, unexpressed anger turns into resentment because. Both parties eventually kind of start drifting in different directions. And even if there's not a, like a physical affair, we were doing it in the parking lot at break time, there's almost always an emotional affair going on. Maybe not even with an opposite sex person, but all of your emotional energy gets channeled away from your partner. Like for you and I, and I'm making an assumption about you, God bless <laughs> Lola, but like uh, when something good happens to us, our spouse is the first phone call we make. When something bad happens to us, our spouse is the first phone call we make. Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm driving home, I talk to my wife on the phone because I know there's not a lot of time when we get together because she's doing things. We got kids. We got a house. So like uh, it's cliche, but to say my spouse is my best friend really sort of is true. Like they're your confidant in everything other than when you're mad at them. Then you call your other best friend. and talk <laughs> But what happens over time is that energy, wanting to talk to your spouse when you're driving home, wanting to call them when something bad, that kind of starts moving away from that person. And over time, you're just two ships that are completely untethered, floating in opposite directions in the ocean. And over time, what I've said over time 12 times, over time, <laughs> when you keep saying over time, is the listener gets resentful. But um, what ends up happening is you get resentful toward your spouse because you start only noticing the things they do that are negative. 
because you're kind of justifying your position, which is I don't feel connected to this person anymore. And you don't want to blame yourself, so you kind of project that out. Well, they're doing this, they're doing that. And now everything they do, the way they breathe, starts irritating the crap out of you. <laughs> and that's what the resentment is, that over time all you do is ruminate on the negative, and those relationships are impossible to say. Like, I, I don't care what any author says they can fix if you read their article. That takes a tremendous amount of commitment and work on both parties. And if they can't get past those old hurts and um, just transgressions that have happened over time, they're never going to be able to reclaim being in love. Some will fake it for a while if they have children, but they're the ones that will always divorce after the last kid leaves the nest. And then the kids blame themselves. Like that's rough on the kids. Anyway, the answer to your question is it's, it's a slowly developing disconnect between the two. I got you. So gradual resentment is the kiss of death. I guess that explains why we hate each other so much. It all makes sense now. 55 episodes of this, 100 episodes of Wrong and Wronger. I'm connecting all the dots all of a sudden. Do it you, snaps into focus, yeah. Yeah, and I guess, do you uh, do you ever make the recommendation of, I think a couple should divorce, or do you always tell them if they're willing to come in for counseling to keep trying? No, what it'll, it'll happen organically, James, that... I can make a process comment like it really f seems like you're not putting any effort into this. And at some point, the dam breaks and uh, either in front of me or later that night, like I'll say something like that. And, and it sort of plants the seed in the person's head of, yeah, this sucks or I'm tired <laughs> of this or something. And they'll kind of make the move on their own. I would never suggest that just because that's kind of antithetical to what I do. And really – Couples don't come to me if one is like literally beating the other one at home. Like that person is a narcissist and they won't come in. But couples that are trying, I would never say this is hopeless. They'll ask me once in a while and I'll tell them what has to be done. And usually that'll be enough of a catalyst for them to say, I'm just not willing or I'm not able or I don't trust the other person anymore. Something will happen internally between uh, the couple that will make one or the other end it. Well, there you go. So now we know how to ruin a marriage as fast as possible. <laughs> Affairs, abuse, and if you have the time, gradual resentment. So I guess if you want to stay together, do the opposite of all those things, and you are you are set for life. If you have a relationship question you'd like to ask, uh, please send it in to James Breakwell at explodingunicorn.com. That's exploding unicorn with the E. It doesn't have to actually be a marriage question. It could be any kind of relationship, a romantic, platonic, human, pet, whatever. We'll take it on and we'll take a crack at it in 10 minutes or less this has been another week of 10 minutes to save your marriage and that's 10 minutes of your life you'll never get back